This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz. You are my people of the book. And my guest today is Musa Keswa. And we are going to be chatting about his book, Skybirds and Ravishers. Musa, welcome to the show. So pleased to have you with me. Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. And Musa, yours is quite a story. You are a reformed gangster. Is that correct? Correct. <laughs> yeah. You grew you grew up in in Umlazi, in in uh, in Durban. It's near Durban, KZN. And um, tell me about your life. How did you get into a life of crime? Uh, let's just say my surroundings and the circumstances at that time. I'm talking about way back in the mid-90s, early 2000s. So my circumstances at that time, and mind you, uh, I was studying a uh, national technical diploma in electrical engineering, and I got hired by Transnet and as an apprentice in, in an electrical fitting uh, engineering department. I'm young. I... I go to work, I ride a bus from bus and then end route train to work. So I, I always see these guys, you know, hanging, uh, you know, bus stops, probably some other places and route to work. And, you know, driving swanky cars, uh, girls around them, uh, you know, they're all fleshy. And then, you know, it kind of, I became kind of, Envious and uh, jealous a bit because now they were like my age, my peers, but they, by the look of things, uh, at my perspective at that time, they they had it all. And I'm still going to work, uh, riding the train, bus, you know, that laborious uh, issue of going to work and then you get to work. And I am in such a a heavy metal department that I would come back home in the afternoon. I'm like exhausted, depleted. I will take a shower, have something to eat, and then go to bed. And then the next day, it's like a recurring routine that I'm used to now. At some point, you see some of these guys I grew up with, but at some point, I got to start hanging out with them again. And their life fascinated me so much that I ended up being swallowed by the lifestyle. Yeah, because their and, lifestyle was quite attractive, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And I I ended up, I did not even resign from work. I just left work. I left work and I started hanging out with these guys. Uh, one thing led to another. And then... I was deep in this so-called uh, gangster lifestyle. So that is how I ended up being a gangster in Umlazi, in, in Devon. That's the gist of the story. That's the nutshell version of the story. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot more to it, and we'll get to that. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
am Janice Liebewitz. You're listening to People of the Book, and I'm chatting to Musa Kezwa about his book, Skybirds and Ravishers, which is the story of a gangster who lands up in jail and what happens to him there. And Musa, having been in similar situations, I mean, I'm not going to ask if this is based on your life, but this is clearly based on situations that you found yourself in and situations that you've experienced. Now, the book itself, Skybirds and Ravishers, as I said to you before um, we chatted on air, (laughs) it's such a, a riveting read. It draws you in. It draws the reader in. It really does. But as much as I, I want to say I enjoyed the book, I think enjoy might be the wrong word to use. <laughs> um, it's a shocking book. Mm. Was that your aim, to shock the reader into what this lifestyle entails? When I wrote the book, I wanted the book to be more educational than anything else. I wanted when a reader reads my book, Skybirds and Ravishers, they would understand another different lifestyle from their own of, uh, which is totally different from a criminal underworld. So it was more of trying to explain, more trying to enlighten, more trying to educate a reader that a certain character, my main character, has ended up in jail because of these crimes committed. And then this is what happens in jail. Everything transpires in a more immediate and you could say it's it's, it's scary by the way, but it's more of trying to make a reader understand that you are living in a different world if you've never been to prison. Because what transpires in prison, that is why prison is a no man's land. So you as a reader, you have to like really be, you know, your mind to, to understand that, okay, if I go into prison, so these are the chances or highly possible that I will get to experience prison in this manner that, that the author has been able to, to portray. So that was the whole point, not trying to be uh, not trying to, to, for people to be shocked, but to get them enlightened about what prison is like and a totally different perspective from a human being who's living a, I would say, style. So that, that was the whole point of my book. More, more of educational than, than shocking. <laughs> And, and I mean, prison, I mean, as you've portrayed it, you have shown us that prison is its own inner world. It really is its own, it's, it's its own world. You leave the outside world and you enter the space with its own hierarchy. Correct. Tell me about the title. What are the skybirds and the ravishers? The skybirds, what you call in prison, but it's also a term that is used outside of prison, but by Gangsters, when they're referring to a person with, I'll say weak person, but more of a, a person that has no balls to, to, to stand up for themselves, uh, is, is, is often looked down on by those that are, are perceived to be, uh, more superior in, in the criminal world. 
that is a sky bed. So the term even in jail still exists. And then the rubbishers are putly, I'll say the rubbishers are, are the rulers of prison that they will command any person to do whatever they feel that they want or they, they are able to command. So they, they are ravishers who, who, if you do not abide to their command, you might get raped, you might get stabbed, you might, you might encounter all sorts of, uh, uh, terrible things. So those are the ravishers in my, in my, in my book. So that's like the hierarchy that I'm referring to that exists Correct. within that prison world. This is obviously excluding, I'm not, you're not talking about prison guards who are an entirely different group. No, prison guards, I would call them characters in the story, but the, the main characters of my book are gangsters in prison. They are just kind of prison guards and prison warders are just add-ons, but the main characters or the main focus of prison is the prisoners, the convicts, the inmates, and their hierarchy. You've spoken about that hierarchy, and we're going to get to the book um, shortly, but you've, you speak very clearly. You give that linear depiction of that hierarchy and of the people who have been inside the jail for long-term already, the people who enter into the jail and how they enter into the ranks, so to speak, and Correct. how they earn their stripes, um, and how they, I mean, your main character, Soso, um, Soso Bale, and, and, um, I, I love the way, um, he hated the way that, that that prison guard in particular pronounced his name because he never pronounced it correctly. And, um, it was such a sign of, of utter disrespect that he never called him by his shortened version, Soso or Sosobale, his proper name. He called him Sosobal, like the Afrikaans <laughs> version of he, he, he African, like Afrikaans his name or how, I don't even know how to describe that, but it was such a sign of disrespect. And I would imagine that that is how the guards treat the, the prisoners. But, um, you've given such a clear picture of how this ranking works inside the prison walls, inside, inside the jail. And, um, you've got, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. You've got your, your, you know, your, your lieutenant who, who is, about, you've named him Chopper, a one-eyed, um, absolute, he's a horrible guy. <laughs> and, you know, and you think to yourself, a one-eyed guy, you know, how much power can he, he hold? And he, he holds the power. And, you know, you've, we've seen it in, in, in prison films and in movies and TV shows and, and, you know, but you've made it so, so very real because as I say, I mean, I'm not going to get personal and ask about your own personal experiences. I know you've been there. Um, but <laughs> you've made it real because these are, as I said earlier, experiences that you yourself have experienced. So, you know, what you're talking about. This is not something I know a lot of authors go, they interview ex-prisoners or they interview people who are inmates. This is something you yourself experienced. So you are talking from a place of knowledge. You're talking about something that you, you really have experienced and that you know about. And 
But I want to talk about the way you constructed the book, and we're going to go um, onto that shortly. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to People of the Book. I'm Janice Leibovitz. I'm interviewing Musa Kezwa, and we're talking about his book, Skybirds and Ravishes, which is a story about a gangster who does the wrong thing, gets caught. I don't know if doing the wrong thing was getting caught or just actually doing what he did to get caught. But you know what the the 11th commandment is, don't get caught. Um, he gets caught. He, he lands up in jail. And this is the story about his life inside. Most of the way you constructed this book was, I have to say, so clever because it's not just a story of your character, Asoso's time inside. You yeah, give us yeah. all his background. You, you tell us about him, how he grew up. You tell us, and your story cuts between past and present. You tell us how he evolved firstly into becoming the gangster that he became from, from petty yeah. crime to, to larger crimes. And a lot of the time he was just the driver just you know he was he was just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time or he just went along with his lifelong friend boy and he he lands up becoming friends with the wrong people um and he's got this lovely girlfriend who tries to keep him on the straight and narrow he never really tells her what he's involved in although she does suspect his mother stands by him throughout. She forever trusts him. She's, you know, he's always her beloved son. And he just really lands up. I, th- I think it's just a, I wouldn't call it a comedy of errors, but it's just a chain of events that land him up where they land him. And, and it's a series of incorrect choices that he makes along the way. And you cut between past and present telling us about the, the crimes that he's involved in directly and indirectly and the way that certain incidents affect the choices that he makes. And I think that that, that is, is so important in, in people's lives, obviously. And the, the choices that people who are involved in this type of life, that's what lands them where they land. And I want to ask you, are you involved in any kind of rehabilitation programs? Do you, do you help with any of those? Are you involved with any of that kind of work? To put point clear, what transpired in my life as a gangster was in the mid nineties, early two thousands. So ever since then, I had been studying, I had been working, I had been running my own business. In between that as well, I had been clean, to put it that way. Because one thing to me that has always been pivotal is is, is getting an education, uh, trying to uplift myself, trying to, you know, self-development. And after I left that lifestyle, I left it completely and then I put it behind me. As much as I still... You know, once in a while, bump into former friends or former gangsters, but they, they in a point that they know that this man now on a straight path. And I am 
friends as well with some ex-convicts, which also I am proud of them because they've also changed their lives. Some are, are working in professionals like, uh, you know, I wouldn't mention <laughs> those professions, but, you know, they've really changed their lives and they, they are married, have kids, have houses, you know, they're doing great in life. They are ex-convicts. And I always, if I get a chance to, to hang out with some of those that are upcoming, you know, that they think that they are the in things, just like when I was the in thing those years ago. So yes. I usually tell them that, I usually tell them that, what are you passionate about? Where do you see yourself in five years? Can you go back to school? Are you able to achieve A, B, C, D, you know? But quite an interesting uh, question that you've asked me because I I do not get involved. I am not involved in any rehabilitation programs. Although at some point I when my book was like the 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 manuscript was complete, I had approached an ex-convict, my friend, and then we talked about writing a letter to to the Department of Justice, and then probably asked them to to allow us to 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 go into different prisons and probably talk about my book and and talk about my experiences. But that never came to fruition for one reason or another, but did have that kind of thought of, of, of like going to prisons and then talk about my book. Because as much as most of the guys are in prison, but there is still a good side to, to them that can be rehabilitated, that can be transformed into, into from being a gangster or a criminal into, into, you know, being a good human being and then being able to adapt to society and, and achieve like much, much bigger things that can change other people's lives through them and through their own experiences in prison. So yeah, uh, that never came to fruition that I write a letter to the, to the Department of Justice, but that is one of my boxes that my list, you know, that I need to tick at some point. Speaking of departments, now that you've mentioned it, would it not be an idea to approach the Department of Education? Because as you said earlier, you want this book to be an educational tool. You want to guide people and show them what this kind of life could lead to. So would this not be an idea to to use this book i mean this is this is a fantastic way to teach young people and to guide them into not following this type of life because this is a book that's going to show them look how you can land up look what happens this book has been written from a place of experience you've you've been there you've done that it's not just um a piece of fiction I mean, I know that the book is, the characters in the book are, are fictionalized characters. They, I mean, I, I, I have no doubt you have based them. They are composite, um, characters based loosely on people you may have met at some point <laughs> in your life. <laughs> I'm not asking you to name names, obviously, but this is a fabulous and powerful educational tool. I mean, I know that that when you were, uh, I think, on your way to the 
publisher or you saw people hanging around the beach or the beachfront and you approached them and spoke to them about the book and people were fascinated with the story and some even landed up buying. I mean, talk about a direct marketing approach. <laughs> that was fantastic. You literally went up to a crowd of people, spoke to them about your book and people landed up buying the book. Do motivational talks, do you speak at schools? Because, I mean, I can't think of anyone better to do this than you. I have sold uh, over 200 books, even before I I was introduced to a book distribution agent. And that point that you're making that uh, I had to, you know, I was driving along the beach and then I approached. It's quite an interesting <laughs> story that I ended up selling more books uh, that day uh, because... The people that I approached, they knew nothing of the life of crime and the prison and all that. I mean, to put it mildly, fascinated. But then when they read the book, I actually received quite a a few reviews sent through my email and my Facebook that you have like taken us to a different world, uh, you know, so riveting. Uh, dark and harrowing, uh, but they, 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 they truly, truly appreciate the book. During that time, and that means I also met a journalist uh, from Sunday Tribunes, uh, Sunday Independent, and she actually wrote a piece uh, about, about, about my book and as a, as a body writer at that time. So it, it, it was actually quite comforting to know that at least people, I was able to, to, to show people a different side that they hardly know of. And in the midst of that, I met this gentleman who used to be a, a principal, a former principal of one of the multiracial schools in Devon. He wanted me to come and do also a, uh, a talk at schools because he said they were a network of, of, of principals here in Devon and, uh, he would really love for me to come and uh, do a, like motivational talk on, but that never happened because, uh, COVID like interrupted a lot of, uh, interrupted a lot of, uh, I mean, the events that were supposed to take place. So in my Zoom meeting that I had with one of the book, uh, book clubs, um, uh, we talked, we talked about the same uh, point that uh, it would be best if, uh, I could approach Department of Education. And then I said, uh, but my book distribution agent somehow thought the book was <laughs> not for the under 18s. And, and I said, and I said it, it was a pity because as much as the book, the target audience is, is, as, is the parents and, and, and the kids, but I wanted the kids to learn to read the book more than anybody else so that they, they can really understand and be able to make uh, choices in life that, okay, I have read a book, uh, Sky Bet and Ravishers, and uh, my choices in life uh, must not in any way, shape or form lead me to, to, to prison. So, so that, that, that is also, I guess, one, one of the boxes that I have to tick to, to approach Department of Education. But because now I have a book distribution agent, so that 
will be will be done uh, through 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 her, uh, and then uh, and then all my book marketer as well, uh, my publicist. Uh, she 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 also did send me an email a few weeks ago about approaching about uh, having the motivational talks uh, in, in in schools here in Devon. So I, I I said I would I would I would really love to do that. Uh, just just to just to let these young minds understand and and realize at the same time that they still have a choice in life. They have the whole future ahead of them and let their in any chance they must not and should not take up the life of crime, no matter no matter how bad their situation at home uh or or they encounter because life uh, has many challenges as as young as you can be, but yes. th- there's many challenges that that you go through in life. And but the thought of you resisting certain temptations, I think, in my life experience, it can make you a better person and avoid a lot of uh, unnecessary uh, dramas. And point that you raised, I would I would definitely take up. Uh, that issue of of having motivation or motivational speaking uh, uh, in, in uh, with the Department of Education. I'm not sure I agree with the publisher saying it's not for under 18s. I mean, when I see some of the set works that that senior high school learners are using, some of them are have got some very disturbing content. I mean, um, a lot of it, especially for English and drama, and, and even the Afrikaans set works. I mean, I, I've noticed, especially on some of the Facebook chat groups, and parents are quite disturbed by a lot of the set works that their children are being given. So um, I think that definitely needs to be a consideration. So, as you say, you know, you're trying to educate and we're trying to educate our, our younger people. And this is something that that needs to be a consideration. I have a very interesting question to ask you, and we're going to do that after this. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm Janice Liebowitz. You're listening to People of the Book, and I'm chatting to my guest, Musa Kezwa. We've been chatting about his book, Skybirds and Ravishers. And if you want to know what that means, then I suggest you go and purchase a copy of this book. Musa, where is your book actually available? My book is available online, Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble. Soon be in all the bookstores in the country. It's only a matter of time now. Hopefully, in the next week or two, we should have my paperback in all of the bookstores here in the country. Oh, great. So, but at the moment, only online, but shortly um, it will be available in our bookstores. Musa, I wanted to ask you, it's well known, and you do talk about it in the book, especially during um, your main character's Evolvement into the person he becomes while he is in jail. I mean, he starts off with good intentions um, when he first um, enters uh, enters his jail term. Um, things unfortunately don't work out as he had hoped, and he evolves into a very different person. Tell me about the tattoo culture. The tattoo culture in prison is a badge of honor. Uh, different kinds of tattoos 
And as you can imagine, they do not perform or do like as tattoo artists. Uh, they've got their own ways of, of tattooing their body. <laughs> right, so. I would imagine so. But it's a badge of honor, uh, uh, that, that you, you accumulate tattoos, uh, based on different actions or, or, or based on your achievements, to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's why, that's how you accumulate tattoos as, as you can see also in movies and in those real life gangsters, uh, or oh, just to, to clear something, I do not have a tattoo. Oh, it was my next question. <laughs> I was going to ask how many you have. No, no, I, I, I do not have a tattoo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so that is the badge of honor. Uh, it's actually what any upcoming gangster in prison to go up the ranks, setting tattoos, uh, I inscribed on you. So it's, it's actually a badge of honor. Okay, and then tell me, it may sound like a weird question. You're committing a crime and you're involved in a crime. Tell me about the adrenaline rush. Does that, that just totally overpower you? Does the adrenaline take away from the fear? Psychologically, you're in a different zone. You are put in or you are thrust into a, a situation where, let me make an example of robbery. You and your peers probably have planned the crime, when it's time to act, there's an adrenaline rush, which is coupled by fear, which is coupled by anxiety, which is coupled by, which is coupled by, I think, a lot of psychological factors that, that your mind races to infinity. But at the same time, you want to be as cool as you can be in order to, to not get caught, in order to, to survive another day. I I always say a criminal acts on impulsive decisions and somehow they will not get caught. But most of the time there is an impulsive decision or a lack of understanding, you know, and that human decency at the time uh, goes missing when, when you're committing a crime. Because mind you, you're committing a crime that is going to affect another person's life. That is not going to only, it's going to only affect that person's life, but it go, it's going to affect your life as well, directly or indirectly. And then it's going to have an impact on the society as well. So, so that process of committing a crime ends up having, a, I would say, a tree with a lot of branches that will be at the end of the day, a catastrophe to anybody involved, whether you will end up in jail and when you are in jail, Probably you have an unemployed mother or you have kids and you're living in a shack or you're living, you know, a poor lifestyle, but you committing that and you going into prison, mind you, you have left your unemployed mother, you have left probably your siblings and no one is going to be, no one is going to provide for them anymore. And it tends to have like a diverse range of issues that, that are, that are at the end of the day. Uh, not worth it to, I mean, to put it like in a, in simple terms. Yeah, it has a domino effect. Unfortunately, Musa, we've got to leave it there. It has been a fascinating, fascinating conversation and an inside look at what prison life is like. 
and what the life of a gangster is like. And I really thank you for your time and for taking the time to come on the show and to chat to me. Thank you for having me. Thanks. And I hope there'll, there'll be a follow-up. I hope there'll be a follow-up on life after prison because um, you've really achieved a lot um, since those days and since that life. So congratulations to you because you've really, you've come a long way. Thank you. Thank you. And also a quick point I want to make is that my car was stolen last week. So. <laughs> karma. Um, <laughs> Bit of karma there. I, I, I wouldn't call it karma because as I said, I, I, I have left that life a long time ago. But, so let's just say they got of me. <laughs> But but you're laughing about it, so it's a good thing. I am a bit calmer this week, yeah. I'm laughing about it. <laughs> and it wasn't funny when it happened. No, you weren't laughing last week. Yeah. Oh, Musa, yeah. thank you so, so much. And um, we've been talking about Musa's book, Skybirds and Ravishes. It's currently available online, Amazon, Kobo, and it will shortly be available in all bookshops locally. So look out for that. And to you listening, as I always tell you, take care of yourself, take care of each other, get vaccinated and read a book.